Tara Nevins from Dawn of the Buffalo, and you're listening to Community Radio, WMNF Tampa. Support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and USF College of Public Health, committed to creating a world where health is accessible to all. Spring classes begin January the 8th. More information is at publichealth.usf.edu. Here comes the sun, I said, it's all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMF Tampa. 88.5, where every Monday... At 11, we bring you a conversation with experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with Albert Reisenberg about composting with earthworms. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hello, Kenny. Hi, Annie. And, of course, we have Irene answering your calls and the wonderful volunteer, Bill, working the boards. We couldn't do it without them. That is right. So, uh, this past week, well, first off, today's... Feels like fall. Oh, I, I have on my short uh, overalls, like they're shorts, but they're overalls. And I walked out the door and I couldn't believe how cold it was. I ran back inside, seriously, ran back inside and put a coat and a scarf on. And I wanted to put something on my knees, but it was too late. I can't believe how cold it is. I think tonight and tomorrow night it's going to get down in the 50s. Really? Oh, wow. I might have to light a fire in the fireplace. That sounds I, great. I actually. closed all the vents of the greenhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for the, wow, the winter. Wow, I was really surprised. <laughs> winter is among us. I know, and I'm going to move to a cold place, and this is killing me. I can't <laughs> believe it. It's funny. And then uh, this past weekend was the wonderful USF uh, Fall Festival. Oh, it was so great. And I saw Annie Ellis there. Yes, I was so good. Well, I went to the uh, Rare Fruit Council and was uh, hanging out with them for a while. Uh, and that was fun. It, it was really a nice turnout for everybody. And uh, Annie and I were talking off the air. We always advertise events that we know about. Right. But if you guys know about events, share share them with us, and we would love to share them. We really would. And that's and actually not even just the events, but even uh, people that you think that would be good on the show. Yes. We're totally open for that. Uh, you know, we don't know everything. We, we like to try to learn as much as we can, but the input from our listeners uh, is, just inep- is just so valuable. Yes. And uh, last week, was our fundraising week and our show raised $812.25 out of $1,500. Right. So we're still looking for donations. You can go to WMNF.org and hit that donate button, which is a little different than the previous website. Right, it's different. And then, uh, or you could go to our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, and I have a link there. So... And uh, if you wanted to get some thank you gifts for that you can always call in and yes. see what we have left over and i and i think we have some tickets for uh Bob lots, Tower. Of, lots of botanical gardens around the state of yes Florida. yes we have so many wonderful things for you if you would like to have that as well yes all right so at uh, the usf fall festival i met somebody from rosebud continuum and then uh, they reminded me that they're going to call in right now to talk <laughs> about an upcoming event. And uh, the Marianne is on the line, but we've also had uh, Dr. T.H. Colhane from Rosebud Continuum a long time ago. As a guest. A year and a half, two years ago. They talked about uh, their biodigester and their little 
sustainable uh, homestead. So welcome back to the show, Mary Ann. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi, how are y'all? Good. We are great. Thanks for inviting us on to talk about our event this weekend. Great. And uh, tell us all the details. Okay, so we're calling the Fall Plant Sale and Artisan Market. So our vendors will have a lot of fruit trees, native plants, house plants, garden plants, arts, crafts, and gift gift ideas. Um, We'll have food and music, uh, especially during the lunch hours. The music's during the lunch hours, like 12 to 2. Um, We'll have recycling. We're asking people to bring their clean glass. Um, where you can watch it, watch it, us crush it in the sand. Uh, we have a glass crusher that will literally take the glass and, and turn it back into sand, which we can use oh. in our soil mixtures. Um, we also use it in our projects that use the shredded plastic and recycled sand mixed together as, as um, you know, for a concrete type pro- project. So right now, uh, actually, Thomas Colhane that you spoke about is working on a gopher tortoise statue where he's trying to make it completely out of recycled products. Um, and for us, those of us in Pasco County, they don't accept glass re- recycling. So we're going to start accepting glass on, on all Saturday mornings, um, at Rosebud to, you know, for our own use so that we don't have to buy sand. Um, and, uh, let's see what else we're also having a presentations, uh, Arborist presentation is speaking about trees, why they're important to us, why it's important to understand them and to know what kind of tree will be successful in your yard. We're having soil discussion with uh, some organic uh, from a company, Veranza, that sells organic soils and mulches about what to use, what not to use, and how to be a friend to the environment. And then grafting demonstrations with Dane Watt, learning why grafting is important, and a demonstration on how it's done. Wow, that sounds like a great show that's going to happen around there. I'm really thrilled that you're doing that glass uh, crushing and you're creating sand. You're bringing it back to the beginning. That's amazing right. and, to me. And Dr. We need to have them on the show. Well, again, Dr. T.H. Colhane is part of the Global Sustainability Department or College at USF, and that's how I know about him. And then he how told me about, about this. Yeah, Rosebud Continuum. This is amazing. So this really, is you need to come on our show this for is sure. Very sustainable living. It really is. Connected. That's incredible. All right, so Marianne, can you tell us the date, time, and location? Sure. It's this Saturday. It starts at nine a.m. and the whole day goes till five. Um, I would imagine the sale part, and we'll go through the end of the lunch hour, but people are welcome to come at any time. We've told people they can stay as long as they want. So, um, like I said, we're bringing the music in, and, you know, we'll have tables and let people... Oh, yeah, and glass sharpening. I mean, not glass sharpening. Um, (laughs) I'll cut you. Uh, you. Uh, We're having a sharpener, a guy that... uh, a gentleman who comes out and he'll sharpen your knife. And oh, that guy's great. Tools. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, how great is that? He does a good job, too. Yeah. Oh, he does. And his, our gardening tools get so dull. They do. You don't want to have to go buy it anymore. That's so wonderful. bring that along when you come. Marianne, what's the address? It is at 22843 Hale Road, H-A-L-E, in Landa Lakes. And it's on the corner of Collier Parkway and Hale Road. I wanted to ask you one question, too, because it just struck me. You said you're going to have lunch hour. Are you guys have uh, food for sale and such like that there? Yes. I, okay. I missed that. Okay, food and music. Yeah, so we're going to have food. We're going to have uh, smoothies, barbecue. And then we also host, Rosebud is, is a partner with Special Olympics. 
and with um, and so they're going to have a booth where they're going to be selling pizza. Oh, very all good. The, all the proceeds. Okay, so it's not a bring your own food thing. That's what I was no, wondering. But you, but you're no, no. We'll, but you could. Them, but you could if you wanted. to. Yeah. And um, we're not gonna we're not gonna kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. This was great. Good news. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And I was sorry I'm going to miss you this time, Kenny. But maybe next time we'll catch you. I know you're a busy man. (laughs) He is. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Uh, Uh, All right, so uh, Annie. Yes. We need to have them in in, uh, January. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a lot of people penciled in on that already. It's amazing how many people we have booked in advance. I mean, people, that's what's so hard if somebody wants to, that's why actually it's really good when people, we let people on to promote their event because we cannot have that person on for the show because it's been booked at least two or three months in advance. Yeah, um, that's the only way I can work. Me too. <laughs> me too. I need to know and you know that it's all covered. All right. Can I mention one sentence? Absolutely. This Saturday, October, okay. every third Saturday in October, it's the International Sloth Awareness oh, I Day. I love this so much. So everyone needs to relax and chill out on Saturday. <laughs> Be sloth like, yes. <laughs> Kenny has all these little planters <laughs> that are sloths, and one of them is hanging sloth, and his little feet have uh, strands up, so he's hanging upside down. It's hilarious. And they have one that has their little face, and their little face is cute, I gotta say. It's funny. But today we're talking about worms. Yes, we are. And we couldn't do without them. <laughs> we couldn't do without them. And Albert is here. Uh, well, he's not here in the studio, but he's on Zoom with us. And so let me uh, it, let, give you guys a little insight on Albert Reisenberg. <clears throat> I wanted to say all of this. It's a kind of a long intro, but I, I think it's all very important. And uh, so f- he's a former 30-year aircraft mechanic. And he's a father of two. And after 9-11 life shifted for him. So that made such an impression on him. He landed in Gulfport, Florida in 2013, and then he, he started to transform in, all into sustainability. And he purchased a little house, which is adorable. I went out there, y'all. And, um, and he transformed it into a regenerative urban homestead. And he has a, a small plant nursery. He has bees back there. So he does beekeeping and honey sales. His honey is delicious too. Uh, worm farming and building soil. And he produces food, he, uh, healing herbs. And he also leads a spiritual yoga class on Gulfport Beach. And he also teaches uh, at the Gulfport Library. Uh, he teaches about nature to children. And they call him the garden grandpa. <laughs> so he advises people on, you know, uh, who are thinking about becoming beekeepers and teaches a class on, on, on raising composting earthworms in Florida. And he, his place is, uh, is remarkable. When I just look at this and it's only 10 years, it's completely transformed. His, his whole place is, is trees, uh, all vegetation, everything there is perfectly matched together to be sustainable in all different tiers of the levels of landscape, you know, upper trees, middle range, and low range. And so I was very impressed with that And I, when I met um, Albert over at his house. And we're so glad you're here, Albert. I wanted to uh, welcome you to our show today. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me on. We're thrilled. I mean, really, I... I, I, I got to tell y'all, the way I found Albert myself was I was listening to the radio, just driving around, and uh, he was on a podcast, and I went, I have to know who this person is because what he's doing is 
tremendous. And then I just, you know, started diving a little bit deeper in it. And uh, finally, we were able to get him on. And I'm just really, really happy that you're here. So we want to talk about today specifically about composting earthworms. And so um, the number one um, question that we have for you is uh, why is raising composting earthworms more challenging in Florida? Well, the biggest reason is the intensity of sun and the heat. Uh, even one hour of direct sunlight on your colony can pretty much kill them. Wow. Uh, it's really, you know, so if you can imagine up north, you know, they have cold. Um, and of course, sometimes the worms will, will freeze, but the eggs can survive. Uh, they can survive freezing for up to 15 years. Down here, if it gets, if the colony gets over 90 degrees, they're pretty much done. Now even that's the, the eggs? Colony. Even the eggs. It uh, all cooks. Wow. So shade is really, you have to have full shade. That's really a key thing and really the most important part of uh, worm farming here in, um, in um, Florida. So you have yours in a little shed, don't you? Or how do you have yours uh, done? So what I have is I, uh, I built a, um, a shade house, which is where I do my nursery work as well. And I have bathtubs. And, you know, I think the bathtub, uh, I, right now I'm exclusively doing bathtubs. And that's really what I'm promoting because it gives the worms a better environment to live. And they can go down if it gets too hot where it's closer to the ground and it's a more consistent temperature. And they can also go down in the winter when it gets cold. So they can really thrive much better in the bathtub and, of course, with the shade. I would think that the bathtub would also, you know, hold the, the chill a little bit better as well. That the porcelain or I don't know, I guess they're not all porcelain, but the old porcelain tubs would definitely hold the chill better, right? Well, usually what you're going to find if you're going to use bathtubs is the, either cast iron or stamped metal tubs. And mm -hmm. I find that both of them work really well. Just have to make sure and cover them so the worms don't get flooded. It already has a drain. Um, and so you got to, you know, keep that open as well. Um, and, um, you know, you can use plastic or fiberglass but it just doesn't work as well for whatever reason in my experience the bathtub really works the best so you you know that does have a drain do you catch um the warm juice i know it's called a certain word oh, lechette. um lechette, yeah. Like a, yeah people don't realize that the lechette could still have pathogens in it because it's oh. just draining through it's not a lot of people think that's worm tea and it's not. Um, I don't really catch that. Um, the only thing I've done in the past when I have caught it is I've used it in my uh, compost, my normal compost, uh, to uh, accelerate that. It does work really well for that. But you have to be very careful about using that as a fertilizer itself. If you want to make worm tea, you can. You take the finished castings and you put it in a bucket with water and aerate it if you can for seven days strain it off and you got worm tea. So I'm really surprised when you just said that because I I have not done this, but I have heard of many people that take that uh, and use it on their plants. And you're saying it has uh, a toxicity to it or what did it's you... Not it's pathogens. Pathogens. You know, so especially when people are putting all of their food scraps from their kitchen, which could contain some dairy and meat, which uh, by the way, uh, the, the worms don't like. Um, 
all of that, when it drains, the juice of that drains through, the, it hasn't gone through the worms. So if you can imagine the big difference between composting and vermicompost is that vermicompost is no heat. As a matter of fact, heat is your oh, enemy. Right, heat is right. going to kill worms, you know. So with composting, you want, and believe me, I'm a big composter too. I use both systems. Uh, with composting, you really want to get it up to 130 degrees for at least a three weeks to kill the, the pathogens. With the worms, when they ingest the, the organic matter, um, they kill it through that the process as they put their enzymes in it and uh, it goes through their bodies. That's what kills the pathogens. And they're experts at doing that. So if you didn't, I mean, I don't put dairy or uh, meat in my compost at all, ever. So if you didn't do that, would it still uh, produce what you're saying? It's still possible. Uh, you can have lichette from your compost as well, depending on how you build it. Interesting. Um, um, it, it like I said, pathogens are going to be killed with over 130 degrees for at least three weeks. That's why you want your compost hot. Yes. But that's the, one of the beauties about the uh, the worm, worm composting or vermicompost. Um, you don't have to have the heat. Um, the worms do all the work. Now, I'm very selective about the food that I give them um, because I want my whole system is about getting the maximum castings. Not necessarily the only way to raise composting earthworms. I'm getting, I'm harvesting five to 10 gallons of castings per bathtub per month. Wow, that's a lot. It's actually quicker than. Uh, than the compost. Now, that's if you use my system, which I'm being very selective about the foods that I give them. I don't give them everything. Yeah. That's why I also compost. The things that don't go to the to the worms go to the compost. Wow. I didn't realize it was so in-depth. All right. Let's remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Albert Reisberg. Reisenberg. Reisenberg. Yep. And we are talking about composting with earthworms. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And uh, that compost uh, light chat is spelled L-E-A-C-H-A-T-E for those people playing the crossword edition <laughs> at home. So, uh, Albert, you're talking about you use bathtubs. Can you tell us where do you source the bathtubs? Well, you know, you, so, um, you know, within the sustainable life that I lead, I mostly ride my bicycle and oftentimes... When people are, are remodeling their homes, bathtub goes out front, and then I come home, I see it, come home, get my truck, and I go pick it up. Uh, uh, that's often how I get them. The other way you can get them is through Marketplace. A lot of times people getting rid of them, and sometimes they charge you, but usually it's a minimal fee because, you know, you don't care if the bathtubs look good. Right. It doesn't really matter as long as, you know, they're whole and you're able to put a cover on them, uh, you know, to keep out the insects and other creatures. Um, that's really how, you know, how I sustain them. Now, unfortunately, so many of them uh, go to the to to our landfill areas. I've seen it. I've seen like one time I was getting rid of some of my trash, you know, bigger trash and at the dump. And uh, I saw five uh, 
five tubs there, oh. and of course you're, you're not allowed to take them, which yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah, you, you can't touch anything that's already been dumped. Yeah. yeah. And they make great planters as yes, well. Yes, they do. Oh, Lots. yeah. They're really so good. I mean, if you see a bathtub, and I've got too many of them. i got six of them at my house five of them that are actively being used to, to produce, uh, uh, you know, with the worms in them. The cast iron ones you can use as a hippie hot tub. You heat it up yeah. underneath. Those are great. I have one in Hawaii. Uh, I have a two-page spread in my book about Florida's carnivorous plants of uh, bathtubs bath and oh, people yeah, planting the stuff. Water. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, so, Albert, earlier in the show you mentioned um, that some of the food goes to the worms, some of it goes to the compost. How do you determine... What's the, what? Those two different yeah systems, and then so, also, so are you of, chopping up everything very tiny for their tiny little mouths? <laughs> okay, so you could do that. You know, I don't have enough time in my life to do that. You could also <laughs> little stickers off of each thing. You know, the worms don't eat it, and the worms don't really care. What I do is, I, my system, and I kind of derive some of my system from my beekeeping, where in the beekeeping you're only inspecting the hives once a month. And so that's what I'm doing with the worms. I'm only going in there once a month, and that's how I'm able to gather so much castings. So what I do is I store the food, and I'm an avid dumpster diver. Um, and so when I dumpster dive, uh, there's three places that the foods go. Some of it's still perfectly good. Some of it, the next tier, and when I had uh, chickens, there was also another tier for the chickens as well. The next tier goes to the worms, um, and then everything else goes into compost. Um, so with the worms, um, I find that uh, what they want is mushy food. Remember, if you want if you want more castings, you got to give the worms what they want. Right. And if the food is green, they can't eat it. They don't have teeth. They ingest the food in their mouths, um, and then they uh, grind it up uh, in their in the in their gizzard. And then they add enzymes, and then it becomes a casting. So if the food is all hard and green, it's going to take them a lot longer to give you the to give you the castings. So you what really like? Oh, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. What they really like are mushy foods. Banana is the top food, and the reason the banana, including the peel, the reason the banana is the top food is it's the one that long that lasts the longest for storage in buckets because it has a peel on it. So bananas papayas and papaya is a great one too now i grow a lot of papaya on my property way more than i eat that way i have uh ingrown you know the the, the cycle of food in the house goes right back to the worms as well because sometimes papayas don't taste great or they get too ripe and that's what the worms want right mushy they want uh, pears um they want cucumber uh they want squash what they do, watermelon or any melons, what they don't like, of course, meat and dairy is just not good for them. Um, also, uh, um, nobody. Uh, you for know, nobody, you right? <laughs> that, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't, I like it. Well, there's different opinions on that. We don't want to go into that. Okay. Um, but onions and garlic, spicy peppers, anything spicy is not going to be good for them. Uh, grains. You know, in moderation, I wouldn't give them a full feeding of just grains. But if there's some in the food, it's not a problem. Uh, there's a couple of things that are interesting, like tomatoes. They love tomatoes, but there's a big problem with tomatoes because they don't eat the seeds. 
And so what happens is for some reason, and I haven't found this with any other food I've given them, the tomato seeds survive in the process. And now when you're using the castings, you're going to have hundreds of tomato plants coming up. And some of them, especially if you're diving, you know, dumpster diving are not good to grow in this area and it becomes a problem. Um, the other one I will I will note is uh, avocado. The avocado peel is toxic uh-huh. uh, to them. It's toxic to most creatures. They don't eat it. But so I wouldn't worry about one or two uh, avocados. But I wouldn't put a whole bucket of avocado. You're just asking for trouble with that. So you you're saying bucket? Uh, do are you putting this all these vegetables and fruits and so on in a bucket and letting it decompose a bit before you put it in there? Okay, so it's, you know, usually the food that I'm saving out for the worms is already pretty rotten. It's not good for human consumption, but some of it's, you know, not that much. Apples are hard because they, even when they're not good for eating, they're still pretty hard. Um, But what I do is I store the food and I only open the tubs once a month. Each tub gets uh, 10 gallons, two five-gallon buckets of food and about six gallons of bedding. Uh, per month, per tub, and what I get in reply in return are five to ten gallons of cast. You just said bedding, but I don't know what that means. Okay, so the worms need bedding, and one of the big reasons they need bedding, if you just put food in there, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of issues, especially uh, with the soldier fly that'll come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I just by mistake, I realized because most of the videos you look at for composting earthworms, everybody puts the food on top. Well, I realized that that wasn't working well because, first of all, then how do you harvest the castings? So what I started doing is burying the food and the casting, the uh, the, the um, bedding. Um, and what I use for bedding is the free sifted mulch. All the materials I use really for most of my operation, but definitely for the worms, is free. Whatever I can get from the garbage or what's being given away. And, of course, mulch is being given away in every municipality around here. Um, and what you, what I do is when I get a gather a, a load of uh, in my truck of, of mulch, the last bit of it I sift out for the worms, and it works the best. Now, you could use, you could use coconut coir. That works well also. And then... Um, you can also use uh, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Oh, it's 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 get, um, I can't remember. But there's many things you can. One thing that doesn't work well is newspaper and cardboard, and it's all over the internet. And that's what people use for bedding. I got to be honest with you: worms don't want to eat newspaper, and they don't want to eat cardboard, and it's just going to be sitting in there. Can you um, can you use uh, uh, oak leaves, or is that a tannic that oak- wouldn't be good? Oak leaves, the, the, the issue with oak leaves is if they're really composted, mm-hmm. you could use them. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really, oak leaves are tough because they don't decompose very quickly. It takes and about a year, I think, something like that. So I think more like two. Um, I don't use them in my compost either. What I use them for is in the bottom of my beds. Okay. Um, if you can get a foot of, of oak leaves in there packed down, it works way better than cardboard. Um, and it's great that you brought up the oak leaves because that's what brings in the native worm. All right. Very good, Albert. We got lots of uh, emails coming in for you. That's good. And uh, I just want to remind everyone that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Albert. 
Reisenberg. Reisenberg. <laughs> and we are talking about composting with earthworms. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. Okay, Albert, first thing, this is from me. I would love to go garbage picking on a bike with you and dumpster diving because I do those things yes, in know. Tampa on my own. His eyes lit up when he <laughs> said that. <laughs> All right. So we got an email from David. Can I use any kind of earthworm in my worm bins? And where do listeners source worms? And then we have two. Then we have at least two more emails for you, Albert. Okay. Uh, you can't. Um, out of the 9,000 or so uh, earthworms in the world, there's only five that are classified composting earthworm. Here in our area, the two that can work are the red wiggler, which is the most popular and what I use, and also the African nightcrawler. Um, the African nightcrawler, we're all, I was using them for a while. They don't. We have even too much cold for them. Uh, they don't work as well as the red wiggler. Uh, and you can put them together. They will mate with each other. It's not an issue. Um, but, uh, yes, if you go, I had a friend of mine, he didn't want, he didn't want to go to my class. That's the only way I, I get my worms out there. You have to take my class. I used to <laughs> sell the worms and people were killing them. Yeah. So now if you want my worms, you better know how to take out. care of them, right? I charge $20 for my class. <laughs> and then if you promise to use my system yeah. and keep them alive, then yes, I will give you the worms. And if you live close to my house, I'll even come to your house and set them up for you. So uh, red wigglers, aren't, aren't those uh, sold at the bait shops? No. that So red wigglers, I mean, there's a lot of worms that are called red worms. Okay. These worms are tiny. They're little. They're only maybe the, the most three inches long. They're oh. super little. Uh, but in the tens of thousands that you can get in a tub they really they really tear up that food so if they um, didn't get them from you how could someone else get that i mean it's tricky there are a few people out there that are selling them i can't vouch for that right. you can also get them online but half the time they end up dead by the time they get to your house yeah. if you are going to uh, uh, order them online don't do it in the summer uh, because they're not going to live and I do want to mention that there is another worm that lives here. It's called the Alabama jumper or the Asian <laughs> jumper. And it is on the invasive list. Oh. Uh, you got to be careful with them. Not that they don't decompose well, uh, but they can survive in the wild here. And they can potentially do damage to your plants and trees. So we just don't want to introduce that as another invasive well, that we here. have. They're here. I've seen them. If you oh. see jumping worms, you don't want to use those. Okay. We have more. Yeah, yeah. we got a couple of questions. Uh, Albert, you mentioned uh, black soldier flies. And when I visited the Rosebud Continuum a while back, um, Dr. T.H. Colin proudly ate his black soldier he flies. He ate it in front of everybody. Oh, that's yes. wild. And then he also fed it to his chickens. Oh, and, gosh. you know, we uh, love all of our listeners, some more than, more, what was my phrase? <laughs> some more than others. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> this is from Bubba. He would like to know, is there any nutritional benefits to eating worms? They could be tasty if fried upright with some cheese grits. <laughs> And uh, Albert, but seriously, do any cultures eat worms? I was once told by a veterinarian that they're kind of like a school bus vector of like diseases so, to like not feed earthworms All to like pathogens. your chickens and other things. Yeah. yeah. 
What do you think well, about I, that? I totally disagree about that. Chickens love worms. And to be honest with you, what made me really start growing in my worm uh, um, uh, farming is my chickens. I had chickens for a while. Um, the problem is uh, the gestation period is a little too long. And that's why people use the soldier fly larva because it's quicker. Uh, could you eat the earthworm? I don't know. I would say yes. I believe me. I mean, you probably to get rid of any kind of diseases, you just cook them. Yeah. Um, now with the compot with the uh, red wiggler, you cook those. There's not going to be nothing left of it. So mm. I would tend to go more for the native worms here that are much bigger and juicier. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm not saying go out there and eat them. But I doubt they're going to kill you, and they probably are very nutritious. I can just see people slurping them up like spaghetti. <laughs> I would prefer not to imagine that. All right, this uh, question, Albert, is from Tom in Sarasota, and this might be the most important question of the episode. How are the castings harvested? Yes. Okay, so this is, the, this is my technique. Now, I want to mention this. If you go to the Urban Harvest Vermicompost YouTube video, a uh, dear friend of mine, uh, Elise Pickett, uh, who does wonderful work with Urban Harvest, uh, she video, She was really stunned by the system, and she videoed it. So that'll give you a good idea. But basically, the key is burying the food, um, and then not and not doing anything. Just keeping it closed for a month, and oh. at least a month. Uh, and then what happens is when you bury the food, they bring their waste to the top, and then after the month. You just scrape off the top one to three inches, being very careful, not getting into the uh, eggs, because guess what? The worms aren't going to lay their eggs in their waste. Um, and then that gives you the five to ten gallons of castings per month per tub. So you say you don't want to get at the eggs. You can see the eggs. And so that's... You can. I mean, you know, my eyesight's not the greatest. The eggs are about the size of a pinhead. Uh -huh. They're amber-colored. Um, and you're going to really set yourself back. So you're better off being more conservative. Yeah. Now, what usually happens after that month, the top inch or so is going to be nice, powdery, 100% castings. But I go wow. down usually about two to three inches, and it's a little coarser, but usually there's a little bit of the bedding mixed in with it, but it works really well. And usually they don't have their eggs up there as well. They really are more concentrating everything down where the food is because that's what they love. And remember, that's what that's what distinguishes the composting earthworm from the regular or all the other thousands of earthworms is that most earthworms um, will eat soil and reconstitute it, making it better. Composting earthworms eat huge, super dense organic matter. They cannot survive on soil alone. That is so interesting. I had no idea. All right, Albert, to follow up on Tom's question, can you use worm castings directly in your garden? Because a lot of times when we talk about chicken manure and that type of compost, we have to say you have to let it sit for a while. Oh, you absolutely can right out of there. I mean, honestly, it's wonderful. Um, and it's fast, too. You can get quite a bit from there. Um, I My potting soil that I use in my nursery is about one part worm castings, you know, sifted, and one and three parts uh, sifted uh, finished compost. And you can also make the worm tea, which we discussed earlier, um, by using taking about taking a five gallon bucket, filling it about a third of the way up, 
with the castings, fill it the rest of the way with water, aerate it for a week, and now you've got worm tea. I have a question. That can also be used directly in the garden. I have a question because I want to be really clear about it. So when you have the bathtub and you have all those worms in there doing their thing and you scrape off the top, then you said that you work in the food for them. And then do you top it with the sifted com- the sifted compost that you had? Okay. Yeah. So I got to be honest with you. There, I mean, we, could, we could spend a whole hour talking about <laughs> system technique Uh, yeah there's a system here and that's why i give a class and the the video that i that i referenced is definitely going to give you an idea of how that works um but uh but basically well it's it's good if you want me to describe it i can but it's going to be more than what you just said um there's a little bit more to it and even the people that take the class when they're finally ready to do the worms they most of the time contact me and said what do I do now? You know, and uh, and of course I'm happy to follow up with people. You know, within reason. I can't do it for you. And I've got hundreds of my people using my system. I was working with Eckerd College for a while, 15th Street Farm. Um, lots of people are using my system, and it works. Yeah. So, uh, Elber, when people get worms from you or online, usually they're sold by like half pounds or pounds. Can and you mentioned you can see the eggs. Can you talk about the vermiculture, vermicomposting population? Because normal earthworms, I think, only have like a certain number of babies. But then I heard that these ones that are eating the organic matter, they have a lot more babies. So, or so eggs. with uh, with with the composting earthworms and specifically red wigglers, um, they will lay eggs uh, about every, you know, they lay eggs often. Uh, the gestation period is about three weeks. And usually they're laying three to five eggs with five, to, you know, around five uh, worms in each egg. Oh. Um, so that's pretty quick. Now, when you look at what uh, the regular earthworms do, you're, they're, they're probably regenerating, you know, a few times a year. Um, and it takes a lot longer for them. So, with the composting earthworms, they can double in population somewhere between two and four months, um, which is pretty darn quick. Um, and this is one of the reasons I like using the bathtub. When I was using smaller containers, what I found was they were tending to overpopulate themselves. Um, with the bathtub, for some reason, it mimics more their natural environment and they don't overpopulate. It's just every inch of it is filled with worms, and they give me the castings as long as I give them what they want. And the reason why there's such a varied amount of how, how much they populate is are they getting the right conditions? They want about 70 degrees. That's their optimal temperature. When it gets below 50, they don't like it, and they're not going to reproduce as much. When it gets above 80, they don't like it. In the colony, I'm saying, not the outside temperature. They don't like that as well, and they slow everything down. Do you so? Ch- if, go ahead. Do you check the temperature? How do you do that? I check the temperature. You know, I mean, I used to check it in my compost, but I know how it's working. What I do is I check the health of the worms every mm. time it's a month when I actually because I fold the whole I go into the entire thing and you can tell there's things that can happen if the if the if the colony gets too wet uh, mites can move in and that's a problem um, if it's too dry 
they can't do well in that either, and that can become a problem. But if you use the system that I have laid out, um, it, it all takes care of itself. As long as you've got the shade and you have a cover on the tub so that the soldier fly can't get in, a screen in the drain so the rats can't get in because they'll oh, come in. Oh, yeah. Believe me, it's a, I opened up my one of my tubs one time, and there was a rat's nest in there. It's a smorgasbord for them. They've got worms, <laughs> which is the meat. They've got vegetables, fruit, and shelter. It's a yeah. perfect situation. But if you put a screen down over the drain, they can't get in. Albert, have you seen the science fiction movie Dune? I have a long time ago. Yes, I have seen okay, it. Okay, well, we all of our listeners are trying to be comedians oh, today. That's one of our emails. D David uh, Bryant says, Hi, Kenny and Annie. Great job with the show today. Fascinating <laughs> topic. I've seen the movie Dune, and I worry about the worms because they're so big <laughs> and destructive. So, like, the longer they stay in there, the bigger well, they get. All right, no, that's what? not going to happen. Guess what? There's, there are worms in Africa that are the diameter of your arm. Oh, my gosh. But guess what? They don't decompose matter as 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 fast as the as the red wigglers as a colony. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, do you have to fear them? They don't have teeth to <laughs> strangle you. Um, honestly, I don't see the fear. I mean, well, the biggest fear is when they become invasive, and the the Alabama jumper or the Asian jumper is invasive, and that attacks the roots and plants if it doesn't wow. get what it needs. All right, uh, so which. Yeah. So, Albert, that brings us to our next question. Let's say you are uh, raising native Florida worms, and they're doubling in population every two to four months. Can what other than giving worms to your friends who want to be sustainable? Can you add the worms to your compost? Can you add them to the garden? Can you release them? Of course, <laughs> we're not we're not encouraging the, the <laughs> Alabama jumping worms. Another. African worms, but the native ones. What can we do with the surplus okay. worms? So you're talking two different things. The uh, red wiggler and really none of the composting earthworms are native to North America. Oh. Um, you cannot raise the native worm. I've tried it. They end up dying. They just don't do well. Um, they need to be out on their own doing their thing. They don't work well in a tub, um, and they don't reproduce that much. Um, the red wiggler cannot survive in the, out in the environment here uh, for whatever reason. And that's one of the reasons I stopped selling the worms because that's what people were buying them for. They were throwing them in their gardens. It may help for a little bit, but that's not what they do. They don't regenerate soil. This is the issue with the Alabama or, or Asian jumper. They live deep in the soil, just like regular earthworms, and they feed voraciously just like uh, composting earthworms, and that's why they're a little bit troublesome. Um, but no, uh, you've got you've got to uh, have them in a bin of some sort. If you don't, they're just not going to survive. I had no idea that that was that variety that that was the variety that had to be used for the uh, the composting. I had no idea. This is so interesting to me. So remember, five out of nine thousand varieties. Yeah. There's also the there's also the European night crawler that they use up north can't handle any heat, um, and then of course the Alabama jumper. And there's one other Asian worm that we don't have in the United States right now. So the European night crawler, what you're just talking about, is that something that I could use up in Virginia to make that? Um, you're still going to be probably better off with the red wiggler. Most I would the last I read, ninety percent of people that are farming 
um, uh, composting earthworms are using the red wiggler. But it gets colder than 50. Right. It gets colder than 50, but it gets pretty hot in Virginia. I lived in Virginia. It gets hotter than here up there, you know? Yeah. It gets into the hundreds sometimes. I would suggest using the red wiggler pretty much wherever I live. Okay. Um, maybe in the far reaches of, of North America, you could you, you would be okay. The thing is about the uh, European nightcrawler, it's a bigger worm. So you could potentially use that for fishing as well. Yeah, that's what we used to use when I was a kid. You mentioned that some you have to have a screen over the uh, worms so you don't get like rat problems. Are there any tiny little parasites or pests that affect the worms? Okay, you don't want a screen. You want a piece of plywood or something that keeps out everything. You don't want the rain going in there either. Um, and you also want to tilt the tub a little bit towards the drain just in case the water does get in, they will drown. Um, the only issue, now of course, you open up your tub after a month, there's going to be palmetto bugs everywhere. So if you're a little bit skittish about them, I wouldn't do it. Can you, uh, eat, can you eat those? Um, you know what's interesting? You're really when, I was today, raising, aren't you? when I was raising chickens, I was really trying to figure out alternate feed. And that's why I don't do it anymore because it was just so difficult to do it. Even with the soldier fly, I was raising soldier fly larvae as well. Um, the, the, the thing about the, that actually would be a wonderful food for chickens. Probably humans could eat them as well. I mean, you would definitely want to cook them. Um, I, I'm not saying you should. I haven't eaten them, but I, I can't. I mean, they're incredible. The problem is their gestation period is also too long. And that's what's tough with, with, uh, with all these creatures. And that's why the uh, soldier flies, that's the quickest. All right. So, Albert, are there any little pests or parasites that the worms can get? Mites and things like that. They have mites. Uh, Usually if the tub is too dry or too wet. And usually if you're adding new new, uh, bedding, uh, uh, a significant amount of new bedding each month, that keeps the the whole colony at a good moisture level. But it still can happen, especially in the summer with the humidity. Um, There's going to be all kinds of little creatures in there. The only ones that really cause a problem are the soldier fly and the mites. The soldier fly, what happens with that, and it'll happen, you'll get them in there sometimes. What happens is the soldier fly secretes an enzyme that detracts all other insects, and and the worms don't like it either. Um, And so it's temporary, but don't forget, they decompose 10 times faster than the worm does, and so they're really out-competing it. All right, thank you. So, Albert, we're going to take a quick break because we have an important message from Mr. Bill Grace. By golly, isn't listening to the Sustainable Living Show just about the most fun that your ears have ever had? And I know what you're thinking. How can you show your love and support? Well, it's easy. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen. Be sure to direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. And let me tell you something special. You may not see them, but when you support Sustainable Living in WMNF Tampa, angels bend down to kiss your cheek. Thank you, Bill. So uh, last week we had our fundraiser 
We are $687.75 short. Exactly. We're not doing too bad. No, that's not bad, but we would like to do better because it's not just for us, y'all. It's for the whole station. And uh, we really need to see y'all, you know, come. If you're interested in our show and like our show, if you can just donate a little bit to us. If you'd put in $10 a month for us, that would make a huge difference. And $10 uh, for me, I mean, that's just a couple of cups of coffee. So, you know, if, if you can do something like that, that would really, really help us out. <coughs> All right, so uh, Albert, I have a question too. Right. Well, one of the things I want to make sure that we get in here is that um, what do you want us to learn today that would most help us and our environment? Because I know that that is so important to you is to be completely sustainable. The bigger picture. The biggest picture. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest picture for me is you know really being honest with yourself about what you can do. Um, I mean, you know, not using plastic straws is all good and well, but look at all the other single-use plastic out there, and, and we know that the reason why it's out there, because recycling isn't going to help that issue. Yeah. They're just making us more comfortable by using it. Exactly. Um, the other thing, too, is riding your bicycle. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Here in Florida, I mean, it's flat as a pancake here. Honestly, I ride my bicycle somewhere between two and 4,000 miles a year. I drive my truck mostly for, you know, using for beekeeping and bringing in mulch and things like that about 1,500 miles a year. And it's absolutely doable. Um, I do it. My girlfriend, Laura Olvaney, does it. Uh, we, we, that's, that's what we are. We're about sustainability. We're uh, also using uh, uh, trash to, to fuel our lives. There's so much out there that's getting thrown out, not just food, but uh, items, you know, from, you know, even like there's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a thrift store that we go to where the stuff in the, in the dumpster from the thrift store is better than what's in the actual store. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous what we're throwing away. Um, And uh, that's what I would say is really be honest with yourself. Can you do more? You can talk it up, but let's say what you can do. And right. the final thing is, I don't use air conditioning or heat. And honestly, I've been living just fine. Does it get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes? A little bit. But, you know, it's not bad to get out of your comfort zone on occasion. And I think it's a lot healthier not to condition your air constantly throughout your life it's better to have the natural and we can do that here in the winter you just put on a hat and a sweater in your house and some and some slippers and in the summer you know you you just have uh you know fans that can cool you off in any places that you're you're actually spending time in and you know, I noticed too at, at your house because I went there in the heat of the summer. It was, you know, it was very hot uh, on whenever that time was that I came. And there's just so much shade from so many trees and so many shade cloths outside, and the windows are open, and everything is just shadier. And when you just do things like that, plant things that are going to create that for you, you're, you know, you're you're growing food and you're shading yourself, and it's just creating a very very good environment. Absolutely. And of course, you know, growing food is just a, also a wonderful thing. And as soon as you get the canopy up, um, that's when everything starts thriving. It really does. Including yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Albert, uh, how can people find out more about you in your book? 
Um, oh, I don't have a book yet. That's that, I should have a book. You actually. should have a book. That's uh, what we said that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't started writing that. Well, there's a lot of people that are probably smarter than me, but uh, you know, I do. I you know, I experiment with things. Uh, you know, I'm 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 lucky because I you know I worked so hard as an aircraft mechanic most of my life that right now I'm completely financially independent. Uh, not that I'm wealthy, but I don't spend hardly any money anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I'm able to experiment with things and with my beehives, which my, with my nursery, with building soil and worms. And, and so um, if you wanna contact me, I don't know, uh, I mean, I, should I give my, I can give you guys my phone number. Sure, you, you can do whatever you want. So my phone number is 727-424 six seven four three texting is the best way to get in touch with me i offer a, a composting earthworm class once a month uh from october we just had our, our first one this year till uh uh from october till may after may i don't do it in the summer because it's not a good time to start a colony uh the class costs twenty dollars and then like i said if you promise to use my system i give you the worms oh, uh, you sweet. can also uh facebook friend me at albert reisenberg on facebook and you can messenger me there if you like if you're interested in a really beautiful heartfelt uh yoga class i i do a yoga class on gulfport beach fridays and sundays at 10 in the morning come on out i get 100 people sometimes it's a beautiful wow. class donation class we're right on the water and we have a big uh, uh australian pine that uh that uh, keeps us nice and shaded in the summer. I wanted to spell your name for those that don't have it correctly. It's uh, R-I-S-E-M-B-E-R-G. So that's Albert Reisenberg. Thank you, Albert. Almost... Go ahead. I was going to say we're out of time. So thank you, Albert, for being a wonderful guest. And we have an email from Chris and Joni from Sweetwater Organic Community oh, Farm. And I they said, them. thank you to Albert. Yeah, they're the best. So uh, thank you, Albert, and uh, we look forward to working with you in the future. Yeah, really appreciate it. For other topics, it. too. Yeah. Thank you very much. And by the way, I teach at, uh, I teach at the, their farm in Tampa um, every year, a composting earthworm class there. So, yes, I love those guys. At Sweetwater Organic Sweet Farm. Water. Yeah, so great. Thanks again for being on our show. We really appreciate you. All right. Thank you very much for having me. And then happy soil building out there. Yes, <laughs> yes perfect. you too. And Annie, you know who else builds soil? <laughs> I don't know. Who. Sloths. <laughs> they descend from the canopy oh and go to the bathroom. And uh, so one of our listeners, Sheila, sent me a sloth picture. Oh, that's so And sweet. she says, happy International Sloth Day this Saturday. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> and you guys can celebrate however you want. Be slothful. And uh, thank you, Irene, for taking the calls and Mr. Bill Grace for working the boards. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org using the Donate button, which is new, and directing your donation to SUL, Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear Community Speaks with Mabili. And tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. And we'll be talking with Shannon Car Carnival about bats because it's Halloween. And follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. This is WMNF Tampa. <laughs>